Since this is Memorial Day, it's a good time for us to to honor those who have served us, those who have given their lives for us, and those who are serving us. This weekend, folks from all, all walks of life will be headed to cemeteries to put flowers on the graves of their loved ones and their, uh, their friends, their family members. And so today we want to have our time to remember and to salute and to honor those who, uh, who have gone before us and paved the way for us. Um, about, with about a year to go before it ever even touched the water, the USS New York already made history. It was made, it was built uh, shortly after September the 11th of 2001. And uh, this massive ship uh, was the fifth in a new class of warships that was designed for missions uh, that included special operations against terrorists. Uh, it carries a crew of 360 sailors and 700 combat-ready Marines that are to be delivered ashore by helicopters and assault craft. What made the difference with regards to the construction of this massive ship was the fact that it was, that it was made from, partially the bow of the, of the ship was made from, um, from almost 24 tons of scrap steel that was taken from the World Trade Center. The, the steel was, was melted in a foundry in Amite, Louisiana, uh, and it was used to cast the ship's bow section. When it was poured into the molds on September the 9th, 2003, those big, rough steel workers, uh, they, they uh, sensed that it had a, a special meaning to them, and, and it was said that there was total reverence and quiet as they recalled uh, making the, the, uh, me, the steel for that ship. Um, Captain Kevin Winsing, who was there, said it was a spiritual moment for everyone there. Junior Chavers, the foundry operations manager, said that when the Trade Center steel first arrived at the, at the foundry, that uh, that he touched it with his hand and he said the hair on his back, on the back of his neck, stood up. It had a big meaning for all of us, he said. They knocked us down, but they can't keep us down. We're going to be back. The USS New York, the ship's motto is, never forget. When we think about this idea of never forgetting, um, it sounds like it's, it's almost like holding a grudge, but that's not what it means. No, it means to never forget means to remember. And to remember means to recall and to understand everything of significance with regard to that. And that over history, we find a lot of things that we need to remember, that we need to never forget. One of the most um, famous of those is probably the the gallant stand of courage and, and underlying self-sacrifice that came down through the pages of history through the defense of the Alamo in Texas, in San Antonio, Texas. 
It was the battle cry, remember the Alamo, that later spurred the forces of Sam Houston at San Jacinto. Anyone who has ever heard the brave, of the brave fight of, the Colonel, of Colonel Travis and his men is sure to recall that event. I'm sure you're familiar with the story of how General Santa Ana's soldiers attacked the, uh, the, new re, the newly claimed independent Republic of Texas. And uh, they were trying to reclaim it back from Mexico. And how the brave men uh, that were there in those, uh, in those, uh, those barracks, 182 men, they refused to surrender, but they elected to fight and even to die, which was almost certain for them. Uh, uh, for they thought that what they were doing was right. After they had lost their lives later in, uh, in 1836, uh, th then the, the cry came out from this battle, remember the Alamo. Never forget, remember the Alamo. These are, these are things that we have that um, uh, to have with us to remind us that there are those who have gone before us and have set a pace for us, put down an edge for us, if you will. Uh, and we can never forget those ones who have lost their lives. No, who have given their lives in service for our nation and for you and for me. You may say, what is real freedom? Well, we have the freedom of religion. We have the freedom of worship how we want and to worship whatever God we want to worship. Our flag, the United States flag, stands for the freedom that we enjoy today. Our, our flag stands for those who have given their lives to sacrifice so you can stand to say, if you wish, you disagree. Not only does the American flag stand for the freedom as a country, but the Christian flag stands for the freedom that we enjoy as Christians. I'm sure you're familiar with the, with the Christian flag, maybe from your vacation Bible school days. The Christian flag, this from Auburn University, and I'm, I'm reading from, from their website now. The Christian flag is the only free flag in the world. It is different from every other flag, religious or secular, ancient or modern. It is uncontrolled, independent, and universal. Unlike all national flags and all denominational flags of various churches, it has no earthly bonds or allegiances. Christ and Christ alone is its master. Without limitation, it exists for all the world's people, regardless of sex, race, national boundary, economic condition, affluence, Poverty, politics, slavery, or freedom cannot be restricted by any nation or any denomination. This unique universal quality makes it like the air that we breathe, belonging to all and yet owned by none. For those who want it, wherever and whenever, it is freely theirs. The Christian flag is the oldest unchanged flag in the world. 
It was conceived at Brighton Chapel, Coney Island, New York, on Sunday, September the 26th, 1897, and was presented in its present form the following Sunday by its originator. On that day, the Christian flag was born. The white on the flag represents purity and peace. The blue stands for faithfulness, truth, and sincerity. And the red, of course, is the color of sacrifice. In this case, calling to mind the, the blood shed by Jesus on Calvary, represented by the cross in its corner. The first pledge of allegiance to the Christian flag was written by a Methodist pastor named Lynn Harold Howe in 1908. Originally, this was the Pledge of Allegiance to the Christian Flag. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One brotherhood uniting all mankind in service and in love. The flag causes us to remember, to not forget whose we are. And what it is that we as Christians should be about. We should be about the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we remember, there, I, I spent some time in just looking in scripture at several places where the Bible tells us that we need to have remembering stones. Or, or uh, moments or events that, are, that should always be embedded in our mind that we should always remember and that we should never forget. For instance, there was the time where, where uh, Paul is talking to Timothy and he says, Timothy, remember the things that your grandmother and your mother taught you. The word of God that they embedded into your life, remember them, reflect on them, don't forget them. Uh, Jesus uh, was, of course, after he was crucified, or just before he was crucified, he established a, a, a Lord's Supper, we call it the Lord's Supper service, a, a, an ordinance of remembrance, of, of taking from his table, and as we partake of that bread and that juice, symbols of the body and the blood of Christ, he says to do this and remember me. Over in the Old Testament, there is a, uh, a passage of Scripture that talks to us about remembering. It's a very familiar passage in Exodus chapter 12. So I'd ask you that you might find in your Bibles Exodus chapter 12. And we're going to begin reading at verse 1. This is uh, the story of, of Moses leading the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. They have... Uh, they have been there for 440 years as slaves to this, to this country. And now God is getting ready to take them out. But before he does, he wants them to never forget, to always remember how they were delivered from their bondage. And so he's going to establish an event, establish a service, a, 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 a feast that will remind them throughout their generations uh, of how God delivered them from the bondage of Egypt. Um, still today, Jews observe this each year. Uh, they observe the, the, uh, the, the day of Passover. We've just, not too many weeks ago, uh, passed that 
that season of, of time, very close in proximity to our Easter. And uh, uh, the, the Jews celebrate this, and th- when they do, they always remember what God spoke to them, or what God did in delivering them. Now, Exodus chapter 12, I want to begin reading uh, at verse 1, and we'll read down through verse 14. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb For a household, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your uh, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep. Or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread And with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Don't eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and entrails. You shall let let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with, with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, packed and ready to go. So shall you eat it in haste. This is the Lord's Passover. Why? Because I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial. It shall be a day that you remember. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, you shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. We're all familiar, I think, with the story of the Passover and and the uh, the gathering of families as they would roast this uh, uh, this lamb that had been selected out on the tenth day of the month and uh, sacrificed on the fourteenth day of the month. And as they did so, they remembered that in order for there to be freedom for them 
There had to be a loss of life. There had to be a sacrifice in their place. There had to be the shedding of blood. And as the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so the idea in this story of of the need for a sacrifice is something that's very important. There is... It's the story of God freeing Israel from slavery. The tenth plague is about to fall on the land. In that plague, the firstborn of each household, whether it's a human or whether it's the first of the litter of pups, the first of every animal in that household will be sacrificed, will 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 die. But God provided a way for protection for his people, and that was through the blood of the sacrificed lamb that was to be put on the top and the side posts of the door of the house. And he promises, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt, God says. There was one essential distinction that fateful night between the Israelites and the Egyptians. The blood applied by faith in obedience to God's instruction made the difference. They weren't just different because they were racially different. They really weren't that much different. Or because they spoke different languages. Probably the Egyptians uh, had taught the Israelites um, Egyptian rather than Hebrew. Uh, But they really weren't that different. The Israelites weren't more special than the Egyptians. What made the difference that night was the blood of the sacrificed lamb. It's a demonstration of God's grace. For it says that God would pass over them. And literally what it means there is that God will halt over, will hover over, and will choose you, select you out for salvation. This is what we need to remember about what God did in sacrificing uh, the lamb at Passover to deliver his, his children of Israel. Of course, we know that the blood of those lambs was only a foreshadowing of the blood that would provide the eternal protection that we all need. A lamb was sacrificed for each household of Israel. And his blood was applied to the doorpost so that the death angel would pass over, would choose them out for salvation. Their dwelling, when the the firstborn of the Egyptians died. God instructed Moses to make the anniversary of this miracle a memorial day. God wanted them to remember some things. Now, this weekend, we... We, be, we celebrate, we recognize Memorial Day around here. It's a little different Memorial Day than what we read in Exodus chapter 12. But it's a time of remembering. There are two main versions of how Memorial Day may have gotten started. One of those tells us that in April of 1863 in Columbus, Mississippi, after decorating the graves of her two sons who died in the Civil War as Confederate soldiers. An elderly woman also decorated two mounds at the corner of the cemetery. An observer asked you, asked, what are you doing? Those are the graves of two Union soldiers. Her reply was this, 
I know, I also know that somewhere in the north, a woman or young wife mourns for them as we do for ours. This lady and a few others set in motion what became known as Memorial Day. Another one was that the custom of placing flowers on the graves uh, of, of those who, who have died in the war began on May the 5th, 1866 in Waterloo, New York. And Waterloo has been recognized by Congress as the official birthplace of Memorial Day. In 1868, General John Logan, then president of the Grand Army of the Republic, declared that May 30th would be a day to decorate graves with flowers uh, of those comrades who had died in defense of their country during the late uh, rebellion. After World War I, the day was set aside to honor all the American wars, and the custom was extended to pay homage to deceased relatives and friends, both military and civilian. Because we are so far removed from those wars, and those are little more than bookmarks in history for us, today Memorial Day has been changed uh, to a more convenient time. It's been moved from May the 30th to, uh, to the Monday, the, the uh, last Monday of the month. And so uh, tomorrow is Memorial Day because that suits our schedules and our days off a little bit better than, uh, than having it on May 30th and have it like all the other holidays where it uh, may fall on a Sunday or a Friday or whatever day. Uh, but the holiday is observed. And as I mentioned earlier, the graves of people all around our city, all around our state, all around our nation will be honored, will be decorated to pay honor for, the, uh, uh, for those who have gone before us. I want to I share with you about what we just read with regards to uh, the Passover, the Memorial Day that God established. Some things that we need to remember about it that also apply to our Memorial Day in our lives and also a day of honoring those who are presently serving. And I want to do that by sharing with you two or three thoughts. The first thought is that in order for there to be a Memorial Day, there had to be a provision of a sacrifice. There had to be a provision of a sacrifice. In, in verses 3, 4, and 5, it tells us that you were to take, every one of the congregation of Israel was to take a lamb. On the 10th day of the month, take a lamb. Uh, it couldn't just be any lamb. It had to be a, a, a lamb who was perfect, without spot, without blemish, who was a yearling of the first year. And let them choose this lamb that is uh, to be selected for this person's household. Now, if his household is too small to consume the lamb, go to your neighbors, bring your neighbors in, and together make this lamb your Passover lamb and celebrate this meal together. So make a count of how many there are to be, but don't forget to get the lamb. The lamb was supposed to be without blemish within the first year of its birth. How this reminds us of the blood of Jesus Christ, who, um, who offered himself without spot to God, purge, let this purge um, 
your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God, it says in Hebrews 9, 14. But with the precious blood of Christ, as, a, as of a, a lamb without blemish and without spot, Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, 19. The, the lamb was to be taken from the flock on the 10th day and to be kept up and to be fed by itself until the 14th day when it was to be sacrificed. And we are told it is God's lamb. A sacrifice has been provided for us so that we can have spiritual freedom. There have been thousands of men who have paid the ultimate sacrifice in, our, in service to our country so that we can have our freedoms. Today we have those who are serving in our, in our nation uh, as police officers, fire, uh, firemen, EMTs, in the, because of the situation we have in our current times, doctors and nurses, persons who are laying their lives on the ground to protect our freedoms. So we have the, we have the, uh, the provision of a sacrifice. God provided the sacrifice and he told them, go out and choose it. The second thing I want you to also know is the promise of a sacrifice. The promise of a sacrifice. It says in verse 7 that they were to take the blood of that lamb, that year old, perfect, blemish free lamb, and take it and kill it and collect its blood and strike it using a hyssop bush on the doorposts and the lintel over the door. And it will be to you, a, it says in verse 13, a token or a memorial, something that reminds you uh, of that, uh, where you are and where you've been and how you got from where you were to where you are. He says in verse 13, when I see the blood, when I, God, pass over you and I see the blood, you shall not be destroyed, but you will be, you will be uh, delivered when I smite the land of Egypt. The house on which the blood is sprinkled is therefore under the protection of God. With the blood on the doorpost, they were promised their house was spared. The promise is that when, when the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to our lives, we can rest assured that we, and we don't have to fear death because we can be looking forward to an eternal home in heaven. Why? Because God promised us. God has promised us that his sacrifice is sufficient not just to get you out of Egypt, but to get you into the promised land. Not just to get you away from the penalty of your sin, but to even usher you into the presence of God himself. The sacrifice has been provided. And we have the promise of what the sacrifice does. Let us never forget the saving of the sacrifice. Let us build a remembrance, a memorial to that. So let's talk for a moment about the proper remembrance of the sacrifice. The proper remembrance of a sacrifice. Verse 14 that we read a moment ago, it tells us that this day shall be to you a memorial. 
You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an ordinance forever. It's to be a memorial to, do, to you. It's to be Memorial Day to you to keep a remembrance of the justice, the mercy, and the grace of God. Moses said to the people, remember this day, verse, thir- uh, verse 3 of Exodus 13, remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of the hand of the Lord you have been brought out from this place. There shall be no leavened bread to be eaten. And Moses told his people to recall the days of bondage and, and to remember our days before we had the spiritual freedom that his deliverance, that this Passover would provide. Those days when we were under the bondage of Satan, those days when we, when we are under control of sin, the time when those who were under the bondage to feel they are living how they want to, doing what they want to, but in reality are following where Satan leads, where sin leads, and doing whatever sin tells us to do. We need to set up a stone or a memorial, a token to remember that we were and where we were so that we will never forget where we have come from or where God is taking us. Paul Harvey, in, 19, uh, in the 1970s, uh, told this story uh, on, his tele- on his radio broadcast. It was gratitude that prompted an old man to visit an old broken pier on the eastern seacoast of Florida. Every Friday night until his death in 1973, this man would return and walk slowly, slightly stooped with a large bucket of shrimp. The seagulls would flock to this old man, and he would feed them from his bucket. Many years before, in October 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was on a mission in a B-17 to deliver an important message to General Douglas MacArthur in New Guinea. Somewhere out over the South Pacific, the flying fortress became lost beyond the reach of a radio. Fuel ran dangerously low, so the men ditched their plane to the ocean. For nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companions would fight the water, the weather, and the scorching sun. They spent many sleepless nights recoiling as giant sharks rammed their rafts. But of all their enemies at sea, one proved the most formidable, starvation. Eight days out, their rations were long gone or were destroyed by the salt water. It would take a miracle to sustain them, and a miracle occurred. Something landed on my head, said Captain Eddie. I knew that it was a seagull. I don't know how I knew. I just knew. Everyone else knew too. No one said a word, but peering out from under my hat brim, without moving my head, I could see the expression on their faces. They were there staring at that goal. The goal meant food, if I could catch it. 
And the rest, as they say, is history. Captain Eddie caught the, caught the seagull. Its flesh was eaten. Its intestines were used for bait to catch fish. And the survivors were sustained and their hopes renewed because of a lone seagull. Uncharacteristically, hundreds of miles from land. And it had offered itself as a sacrifice. Captain Eddie never forgot. And so every Friday evening about sunset, on a lonely stretch along the eastern Florida seacoast, you could see an old man walking, white-haired, bushy-eyed, browed, slightly bent. His bucket was filled with shrimp to feed the gulls so that he could remember that one which on a day long past gave itself for him without a struggle. Just as Captain Eddie Rickenbacker never forgot the seagull that gave up his lives, we should never forget the lives of those soldiers from our country who gave up their lives. Captain Eddie got a second chance at life. And because many brave men and women didn't receive that second chance and have died in armed services fighting for our country's freedom, we, however, have a second chance at life, a life of freedom. Both freedom and life never come without a price. <clears throat> the blood of many fine soldiers paid for the freedom that we have today, just as the blood of a tiny lamb at Passover paid for the lives of hundreds of thousands of Israelites. And just as one Savior who gave up his life paid for our freedoms and for our lives so that someone dies as a sacrifice for you. Our soldiers have died that we might have a life of freedom. Jesus died that we might have eternal life. And in the story of the Passover, the blood of the lamb was marked on the doorposts. And this caused the destroyer to pass over the households that were marked, thus granting them life. God says, never forget. Always remember. Recall and reflect upon the freedom that has come to you because of the sacrifice that has been made by another. This Memorial Day weekend, I, I pray that you will, you will <clears throat> recognize those who've gone before. <clears throat> Those who have, who have given their lives for your freedoms, but especially for Jesus who gave his life as a penalty, as a substitute for your sin, so that you could have, by the grace of God, eternal life. I wonder if you might pray with me now as we, as we thank God for his sacrifice. Father, thank you for the privilege that we have to, to reflect on what your word tells us about how much you gave for us. We think it was just one life, one person, but it was your own son. You gave your one and only son so that we could have everlasting life. Father, we, we pause today on this Memorial Day uh, weekend to just thank you for what you've given, for the gift of Jesus Christ, and we thank Jesus for his willingness 
to obey you and to go and to sacrifice himself for us. Father, I, I pray that, that uh, we might always remember that we might never forget how much you love us in sending Jesus. Thank you for teaching us today by your word. Father, I pray now that you just uh, bless us with the memory of knowing how much you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.